I'm Matthew Cerrone. This is the How to Sports Blog Podcast, Episode 12, with Mashable.com's Sam Laird. This episode is brought to you by DraftStreet.com, the fastest way to win money playing fantasy sports. Welcome to the How to Sports Blog Podcast, the place where experienced bloggers, reporters, and sports professionals offer insight and advice on building great websites, a loyal audience, and compelling sports content. And now, here's your host, Matthew Cerrone. Hey, sports bloggers. This is the How to Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Matthew Cerrone. Thanks for tuning in. The goal of this podcast is to give real, practical advice for people looking to start a sports blog or podcast, create videos, or maybe you already have a site and you're looking for ways to make it better. If that's you, if that's what you need, you're in the right place to grab a pen and a pad and let the class begin. This week I talk with Sam Laird, who writes about sports and technology for the tech site Mashable.com. The thing I love about Sam is that while he writes about sports, his audience isn't necessarily made up of diehard sports fans. Nevertheless, he's charged with reaching them, writing about some tech, but also writing about sports topics in a way that can really appeal to a larger, more casual audience. And I I think that's an important lesson for any sports writer, no matter who your audience is. Now, I first met Sam a couple years ago when he profiled me for Mashable detailing my story with Metsblog.com, but his story is equally impressive, and I, I love how he hustled his way through Mashable and essentially created his own opportunity from the inside. But before I get to the interview, I want to give a big thanks to DraftStreet.com for sponsoring today's show. In case you didn't know, they're the fastest way to win money playing fantasy sports. It's a cool system. Basically, you pick a lineup that day and get paid out that night. In the last decade, fans have won more than $100 million playing fantasy sports. If you want to get in on it, go to DraftStreet.com and enter promo code MATTC for a deposit bonus up to $200 in your first entry into a game with cash prizes. And with that, here's my interview with Sam Laird from Mashable.com. You know, I I started... Um, Really, it seems like my, I mean, I obviously always read Mashable, but I really started reading it more when you started writing there because it was interesting to sort of see the hybrid of uh, tech and sports and, and all that stuff. Obviously, doing what I do, that that was interesting. Um, and it has actually made me read Mashable more. Um, awesome. It helps that you did a nice little profile on me at one point, too. That helps, too. But, um, yeah, you know, the, the work is really good. So tell me how you got started with, with Mashable, how you got kind of connected with them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a lot of things that kind of look um, orderly and rational in retrospect, but um, we're not really, you know, going through it. Um, uh, I guess to go back a few years, in May 2011, I, I finished grad school, uh, journalism school at Cal, um, and uh, wanted to freelance after that, which I did, uh, you know, to moderate success um, in terms of doing cool stories for cool publications. But, but um, after about six months, just uh, really got tired of the sort of freelance grind of, um, you know, constantly pitching articles uh, before you really establish yourself and have, you know, regular gigs going and, and low pay and things like that. So I started looking for jobs, um, started looking for jobs in the Bay Area specifically since that's where I was living and where I'm from and where I really wanted to live at the time. Um, and uh, the media landscape here is not you know, super robust. Um, I had sworn off internships, but I saw a Mashable internship, um, applied for it, got it, 
got offered full time a month later. Was pretty happy about that, so took the job. Um, and initially, the job wasn't really to cover sports at all. It was just sort of general writer reporter um, type of deal. But um, you know, our staff was much much smaller at the time, so I was kind of the only person who was really uh, interested in sports. So whenever you know, a story that was a fit for Mashable that involved sports came along, it would um, kind of just fall to me uh, because I was kind of the one sports fan um, on staff. Um, and, uh, you know, and then I think people just started realizing there was more and more of a an appetite for um, sports-related stuff that would, that would fit into Mat- Mashable's sort of uh, focus area. Um, so, you know, it became maybe, it went from maybe, you know, 20% of what I did to 40% to 50% to 75% to now it's pretty much 95% of what I do. Um, and, uh, also the sort of scope of what sports means, you know, for, for my job has really, really evolved in that time too. I mean, before it was, uh, when I started, it was really sort of hammering home the sort of tech digital angle of you know, where sports meets uh, technology and how that changes for um, changes the game for fans and, and athletes and, and uh, teams and leagues and, you know, brands and things like that. Um, really a pretty narrow focus. Um, and then kind of maybe, say, uh, late-ish 2012, uh, expanded more into kind of like web culture, viral kind of stuff. Um, so at that point, I was doing kind of, you know, viral sports stuff, funny things that happened, as well as sort of how technology and digital culture are changing um, the sports world. Um, and then from there, I'd say in the last eight months or so, um, it's really just kind of open season on anything. So now I just write uh, sports, period. I mean, you know, I always will try to keep a sort of a special eye towards that kind of digital side of things but i mean yeah now i'm just writing writing straight up sports i mean i guess the last thing i wrote was sort of a guide on how to how to pick a new favorite world cup team that the u.s is out so you know that's obviously got no digital hook at all but um so yeah it's really evolved what it is now and it's uh been cool and and fun to uh have it evolve like that and you know yeah when you yeah. when you left when you left uh journalism school you know what did you what did you want to be when you grew up I wanted to write sports. Yeah, I wanted to okay. do kind of what I'm doing now, um, which is cool. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I was kind of interested in how the internet and uh, ease of social media communication was changing the world in general in 2011, 2010, 2011. Um, but, I mean, above all, I was interested in, in writing sports and great sports stories. Um, and uh, so, you know, it, it was... Um, it was a great job from the beginning, but it wasn't necessarily the thing I really, really, really wanted to be doing. But now it's kind of two years later evolved into that, which, um, like I said, at the time I didn't really see coming or it wasn't like part of some plan. But um, looking back on it now, it's it looks all kind of smooth, which is kind of funny. Well, what I love is that you, you know, you had a background, you actually had a, you know, uh, some training, you had a desire to do something, you, you hooked in with this place uh, as an intern, and you really sort of created your opportunity to an extent. I mean, I know just, you know, on my side, um, you know, working in, in sort of content development and web design and, and working with, with clients and vendors on stuff that, you know, there, there, there aren't a ton of sports fans in 
in tech necessarily. It's not the dominant thing. I, I always find it funny. I love when I'll talk with like some platform, you know, some company and they try to talk sports lingo you can tell they're not sports fans i guess they feel the need to have to sort mm-hmm. of recognize the you know what what we're trying to do and it's always kind of funny that to hear them sort of mangle team names and, and stuff but um and so it's interesting you know that you end up there and then you sort of carve your way through it and you know just maybe talk a little bit about you know how you pitched those ideas and how you sort of made that happen at a place that really at least up until you really wasn't doing anything in the sports world yeah, I mean, I think it's just sort of a, a uh, confluence of different factors. I mean, um, I worked really hard at finding good stories and doing them well um, and just working hard in general and applying myself to the job. Um, I like to think I was pretty good at it, um, so that was the second piece. And then a third piece was uh, kind of just luck where I ended up um, in a situation with Mashable um, in general, but at that time specifically where um, it really was about to start growing fast and widening, widening the scope of what it does, period, sports and beyond, very quickly. Um, so I kind of just happened to get in at the right time there as far as being able to you know, chart my own course a little bit more um, in that sense and then you know, doing good enough work where people trusted me um, to take ideas and run with them. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's a, it's a factor of uh, just working hard and, and trying to be good at what I do and uh, ending up in a, in a good situation. Now, uh, how many years ago did you graduate uh, from Cal? Uh, three. Okay, three years ago. So why didn't – or, or maybe you did, and I just don't know about it. But why, why not say team blogging or, or anything like I was doing with Mets blog? Or why, you know, why didn't you kind of go that route and sort sort of setting up things that way? Is it just not wasn't in your your way, or you were looking for more, you know, something more general? I mean, why why not go that direction, which a lot of people seem to want to do? Yeah, I mean, well, to be honest, since I started working here, I've really learned a lot about um, how how the internet works and how digital content works. So at, you know, three years ago, I honestly don't think I would have done, I would have been able to do that successfully. Uh, were I in that position now, I think I could pull it off. But, um, at the time it wasn't really a realistic option. Um, and it kind of also went back to the reason I didn't want to freelance anymore. I was freelancing mainly for, for, uh, newspapers and magazines. Um, and the thing that I didn't like about that was sort of the uncertainty and constantly having to kind of grind out and take these chances on things that sometimes pay off, sometimes don't pay off. So, I mean, what I really wanted to do was get a job where I could uh, write and report but also have, you know, a dependable sort of uh, monthly income. Sure. Um, so, yeah, that, I guess that's kind of what I was, what I was looking for and, and how and why I ended up, um, you know, not at Mashable per se but at yeah. a place like it. So you mentioned learning things at Mashable. I can only imagine sort of what comes along uh, there. But what, you know, what? give me something that's sort of, I don't want to say, well, yeah, eye-opening or, you know, that kind of surprised you about the medium or about content or whatever that you kind of, you know, learned along the way there. Um, sheesh. I mean, it's it's been a process of learning by doing, you know. I guess one thing that's really um, – that I've learned and also I think has really evolved more since I started working here two and a half years ago 
um, is just the pace of things and the appetite that uh, sports fans have for online content. Um, and what constitutes a story or something worth writing, um, not to say stupid things by any stretch, but small things, you know? I mean, sure. whereas if you're, if you're coming from more of a print background or a, or a uh, magazine background or whatever like that, you kind of think of stories as these big <clears throat> sort of undertakings that sort of pull in a bunch of different elements and there's little anecdotes here and little facts here and whatnot. But for the web, honestly you know, like most of those little anecdotes and most of those little facts and stats and whatnot could be their own post or spun off into their own post. Um, so yeah, I guess kind of just thinking of, um, things that way where stories are smaller and easy to digest and maybe part of a bigger story, but still are their own post as opposed to something that you just sort of sit on for a week and then, um, wrap into something bigger that you finally publish. The, uh, I'm obviously, you know, Darren Ravel, um, sure. he, you know, he gets often criticized because of the, you know, the nature of his writing. A lot of times it's, it's because it's products. I think people, you know, feel there may be a little, a little disingenuous or whether it's coming from a PR department and that sort of thing. And that, that's sort of the nature of, of that game. You get a lot of that, especially with gadgets and, and stuff like that. Um, or people wondering that or looking at it that way. I'm wondering if you, if, if you ever are sort of in those positions as well. I mean, you're writing about sports and technology and there are product reviews and apps and things like that. Do people ever, you know, question kind of where it's coming from or do they just not, not even care? Has that never really come up? No, I've never had it come up. And, um, I mean, also going back into the evolution of things, um, in my, in my gig here, I'm, I'm doing a lot less of that now. So it's something I sure. think about less. Um, but you know, even, even when you do end up writing about, um, a product or a company, I mean, it's up to you. I mean, I don't do it unless I feel like it is interesting on its own. And if it's something that I would, if I was a reader that I would want to read, I would want to learn about. Um, so, I mean, you know, you can sort of, uh, bleed into that line of being PRE or, or sort of just churning out press releases or whatever. But I mean, just because something is a stat from a company or is about a company or whatever, it doesn't make it, um, not worth, covering necessarily i mean in those situations i think you want to take a more critical eye and think a little bit harder about uh is it really interesting or is it just something that's easy because it's presented to me on this platter and i can pump it out but i mean if you're if you're true to kind of your own your gut on it and you think critically about why this actually is or isn't worth writing about then i think it's not hard at all to um you know cover companies or products or whatever uh but do it in a worthwhile way so I'm I'm in the middle of a dilemma, you know, I'm debating uh comments on the sites we have here with us and why, you know, a lot of the sports conversation, the fan interaction has really gone off onto Twitter. And sure. the comment sections are still very much used. I mean, on on Metsbog, you know, there there there's a lot of activity, uh but it's very tribal. There's a lot of smaller groups, there's a lot of bickering at the you know, whether or not it adds value to the posts, you know, depends on the user, but by and large, it's, it's mostly negative and, and angry. And it's put us in, in kind of a position to, to weigh the pros and cons of commenting, um, mm-hmm. in a world where, you know, a lot of places are giving it up. The times, uh, do these sort of side note kind of conversations, you know, when for the win launch, they had comments and then very quickly they abandoned it, got rid of them. Um, you know, companies like live fire and discuss are doing great stuff. I mean, it's, it's kind of a strange, 
platform. Um, some people find it useful. Some people don't. In sports, you know, so much is about debate, at least on the team side. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of lost. <laughs> I'm looking for advice, I mean, from people. You, you guys have comments on Mashable. Um, you know, I think it's a different passion, especially with sports tech, probably, although now you're writing more about sports coverage. So, you know, I'm curious, you know, just your thoughts on commenting in a world with Twitter and, you know, you hear my gripe. I mean, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I think as long as comments don't get ugly, offensive, counterproductive, things like that, if you give people one more sort of uh, option, platform to engage with what you're trying to do, um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, um, I definitely see the argument for eliminating comments altogether, um, and I don't think that's a bad thing either at all. I mean, I think it's kind of at a point right now where, uh, where, you know, while say comments were something you definitely wanted to have to kind of boost that engagement and, and make your site, uh, that much more of a destination for fans. Um, it's not a must anymore, but I don't see it as a must not. I think it's totally optional now, just kind of, uh, a thing that you can or can't do depending on how you feel. Um, whereas obviously social media has kind of replaced, the comments as a thing that the comment section is a thing that you have to have and the thing you have to do well and the thing you have to make sure you focus on. Where do you come up with ideas to write for? I mean, how do you sort of come across stuff? Oh man. Um, gosh, it's a, it's a crazy range. I mean, um, I pay like heavy attention to the sports news cycle. Um, so sometimes there are stories that are, you know, not original, but kind of you got to go with. I mean, for example, I just wrote about Suarez's possible probable transfer to Barcelona. That's a big story right now. So, um, yeah, I'm going to pick that up and do something quick on it. Um, and then that's kind of the foundation for trying to spin off uh, other more original ideas out of sort of the news cycle. Um, like, uh, I don't know, for example, the last post I wrote for Suarez was about how to kind of pick um, a new World Cup team of the, of the final eight. Like, if this appeals to you, if you're into this kind of storyline, these kinds of players, here's the team that you'd probably like following the most. Um, so it's just kind of a, a combination of being kind of uh, embedded in the uh, sort of online sports news cycle that never stops and um, biting off the things there that are worth um, picking up as far as things that are, you know, getting, getting written about everywhere. But then on top of that, trying to add your own twist to those things and think of whole new ideas from there. Um, and then, you know, sometimes I'll take uh, pitches. I mean, my inbox is super full with pitches all the time, and um, some of them are good and worth doing. Um, so I'd say, um, you know, maybe 10 15% of what I write comes from uh, pitches from PR folks or people who have their own thing going on and want coverage. Um, and then the rest is just kind of, living and breathing what's happening online with sports and, uh, you know, picking up what you have to pick up and then trying to spin off uh, new ideas off of those things. You know, it's it's become sort of my favorite, uh, what do they, people call it, explanatory journalism. Basically this, you know, whether it's upshot or quick take or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's not really the data type of stuff that Nate Silver's doing, but really just sort of explains a topic and sort of the nuances of it and gives it context and it's it's really something i keep obsessing over because i think it's it's something that 
particularly in sports where, like you mentioned, there are these stories and narratives that just sort of course through you know, the veins of sports fans that sort of take on a life of their own. And it's, it's really what we do. We glom onto these sort of narratives. I love this idea of having these pieces of content that could sort of help, you know, package it and explain it in short kind of succinct stuff. So it's something that I'm really interested in. Um, so it's interesting to sort of hear you, because it sounds to me like, you know, for instance, that soccer piece and things like that, that that's kind of doing that. It's sort of taking, explaining the World Cup, explaining some of the teams, you know, how to move forward. And I find personally that that stuff is most interesting to me um especially yes, in the world of sports where like people everybody has an opinion it sometimes helps to sort of take a step back for a minute and regroup and i think that that really has a lot of value which so, brings up the the point of actually being useful and i think that's something that a lot of sports writers particularly people with you know who want to sort of just express their opinion don't really realize everybody has an opinion but being able to sort of provide some sort of value some kind of use to what you're doing i think is important i don't think enough people really pay attention to that you know no i think it's crucial i mean if you just write if you just kind of parrot what's out there already you might as well be a bot almost or you could be interchangeable with any other um you know writer with half a brain i think but if you're able to kind of put some kind of your own perspective on it or or bring um something unique some unique outlook or a unique voice to what you do then I think you kind of can um, stand out or bring a unique kind of value to um, the audience in general or to whoever your employer is. And that's definitely what I try to do. I think that's what anyone should try to do um, in their own, in their own best interest. I mean, and then another part of it is trying to, is, you know, figuring out who your audience is. I mean, take a site, well, take your site. You're, you're, you're writing for people with a a deep, deep interest in the Mets. Um, Take a site like, uh, I don't know, say the big lead. They're writing mostly, I think, for hardcore sports fans and people with an interest in, in sports media and people who really know a lot about sports and follow sports really closely already. And then um, what I try to do or who I try to aim myself at is kind of people who are interested in sports and find sports fascinating and kind of follow them but aren't necessarily um, the most hardcore or super on top of things. And so what I try to do is, is find things that are going on, um, whether big things like the World Cup or, or one smaller story, and make them appealing and interesting to a person who only, you know, maybe casually keeps one eye on sports but is a curious person with a sense of humor and things like that. Um, so I try to, you know, tailor my writing and my voice and my approach and my perspective to that kind of person. So I think, first of all, figuring out who you're trying to write for is the first step to figuring out how you're going to bring something unique and something that is actually valuable to what you do. We talk a lot about having a niche audience and all that stuff on this, this podcast, but I think it's, it's, I think one of the biggest deep, or I should say the biggest niche audience would be like you're saying the casual fan, the problem that we've always sort of, that I've come across any, any work that I've done, whether it's with S and Y or other people, when it comes to trying to tap into casual fans is, is the reason for the most part, or quite often the reason they're casual fans is because they lack sort of the the, the real desire to dig in and, and go kind of overboard on these things. So it's almost like a catch-22. And so if you can if you can find that way to speak to that person in a, in a way that isn't overbearing or that sort of alienates them with certain lingo and, you know, terminology, etc., um, but also do in a way that, you know, can educate them. Uh, it's tricky. It's a tough yeah. thing to do. I give you credit because I think it's it's a it's a huge opportunity, and to have someone that's like the explainer, you know, that can sort of 
bridge that gap is is huge. I can't, you know, I think sometimes that I can do it when it comes to sort of statistical analysis and trying to, I don't want to say dumb it down. That's not the right way, but but you know, take strip out a lot of the technical and just sort of get to the heart of it. You know, that kind of thing. But to do it on a larger scale for for casual fans is tricky. And uh, it, you know, if you can pull it off, great. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not easy. As much as I just laid it laid it out there, it's like what what I try to do and what you should do. It's not always easy, that's for sure. But I mean, you know, it's just like I think it, there's a way to kind of to kind of make people pay attention who aren't paying a lot of attention and just be like, hey, this is why this is interesting, or hey, this is why this is funny, um, and this is a sports story that you don't have to be a hardcore sports fan to get a laugh out of or find interesting or um, you know find as an excuse to watch, say, the World Cup quarterfinals coming up. Right. I, I try to tell my writers it's, you know, the mom test. You know, if, you're, if your mom can understand it, then great, we did well. Um, diehards yeah. are going to read it anyway because they're on the site and they're interested in the topic. But, you know, to try to broaden the audience, let's try and, you know, write for your mom, um, which exactly. is always it's kind of an interesting way to, to put it. Um, before yeah, I let you cool. go... Actually oh, sorry. Of, it reminds me of something, actually, that... Uh, I, I kind of take that approach with my coworkers here, since I'm the only sports writer at Mashable. That's good. That's um, actually you have an audience. That's interesting. Like your demo is actually right there with you. Yeah, you know, more or less. <laughs> so I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, there's more people on staff now who who pay attention to sports, but I'm, I'm trying to think of like, okay, um, you know, say a couple of my colleagues here in SF and the SF uh, little office we have here, would they find this interesting? Would they find this funny? Because um, they aren't following everything like like I am or like you are. But if, if I think they'll find it funny or interesting, then I think it's nice. a story that other people like them would find, um, you know, worthwhile. That's a that's a terrific resource. That's good. Um, I guess uh, if you got a few minutes, I, I I would love to hear just a little bit about the editorial structure at Mashable because it's something that I'm I'm working really hard on at SNY trying to build sort of a a newsroom from scratch. Um, you know, so I'm always kind of curious on how these other other places run. Yeah, um, I mean it's. Uh, all I can really speak to, I guess, is is um, my own experience because it's it's uh, it's different for different writers and reporters here. But um, for me, I mean, I have an editor, Josh Dickey, who's uh, a head of the head of the uh, entertainment sort of section. Um, you know, including uh, movies, TV, gaming, music, um, and sports is uh, under that umbrella. Um, and uh, there's an assistant editor named Kate Summers Dawes here in SF who um, edits a lot of my stuff. And then sometimes I'll get, um, you know, a note from folks in, in New York, maybe higher up the ladder, who say, hey, can you cover this? Um, but, you know, for the most part, I'm happy and lucky to be able to say that I have kind of been able to uh, earn, I feel like, a lot of freedom here, where, I mean, most of the time, I just get to kind of um, think of what I want to write and run with it, um, and people are happy with it, you know, ninety-five percent of the time. So that's uh, that's kind of, I guess, a luxury that I that I really value um, and appreciate, but um, also one that I feel like I've kind of earned by doing a good job and, and proving that I can just kind of take an idea and run with it, and I know who it'll appeal to, and I know how to write it um, in an effective way, but. Uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's cool to have that kind of freedom for sure. Yeah, that sounds. I mean that sounds great. Um, and I guess before you go, just give us. Uh, you know, I always ask people just sort of 
practical advice, things for people starting out, you know, maybe somebody like yourself just getting out of school that maybe they graduated and, and they're debating an internship or they're sending applications around? I mean, whether it's something on a resume or if you are at a place, how you make an opportunity. I mean, what kind of advice would you give somebody uh, in need? God, I would say be flexible. I mean, have goals, um, but don't uh, get too attached to too specific of goals, if that makes sense. I mean, be flexible. Um, I would say work hard towards a general sort of area, but be open to, you know, little paths that might shoot off from that larger sort of road you're trying to go down to where you're trying to get to. Um, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier at the beginning of the of the conversation about how, you know, in retrospect, everything looks so orderly and smooth and how everything worked out. But at the time, I was kind of just, uh, you know, tripping forward one step at a time, thinking like, all right, this is good, this is good, okay, but not with any, you know, grand destination in mind. Um, so I think if you kind of keep what you want to do in the bigger picture in mind and work towards it and work hard at it, but that's very important, but it's equally important to remain flexible in terms of how you're going to get there and little things that might shoot off from it. Because um, I think very, 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 very few people start out with one really, really narrow specific goal in mind, and that ends up being what they end up doing. And half the time, if it's not what they end up doing, the thing they end up doing instead actually ends up being a better situation than maybe what they had in mind in the first place. Thanks again for listening to the How to Sports Blog podcast presented by DraftStreet.com, who just announced its largest online fantasy baseball championship with $3 million in cash prizes. The winner will go home with a million dollars alone. So if you haven't tried daily fantasy baseball yet, now is the time to go to DraftStreet.com to check it out. Thanks again to Sam Laird from Mashable.com. If you missed anything from today's show, you can get all the links and show notes by going to MatthewStrone.com slash 12. And of course, to see previous shows, go to MatthewStrone.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next week with another interview. To know when it posts, sign up for my email alert at MatthewStrone.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.